Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast, Headliner Interview Edition, where every Thursday we present a long-form interview with an exciting voice in the world of music. I'm your host, Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. For this week's Headliner Interview, Dawn Richard is our guest. She's brilliant. She's exciting. She came by the Billboard office in New York, and we talked about all sorts of things. Her new album... What she's putting out is just Dawn as the official artist's name, just one word. Album's called Redemption, and it's out tomorrow, November 18th. You just heard us play some of it at the top of the show, and we'll play a little bit more as this episode goes on. We'll talk about that. She came in two days after the election. We'll definitely talk about that, often while talking about the music, too, because they, they really do link together. Like a lot of you were... I was shook up that day. Talking to Dawn was really enlightening, so I hope it has the same effect for you if you're shook up, because frankly, you should be. And uh, yeah, if you just know Dawn's music from making the bands with Puff from the Danity Kane days, you're really in for a treat. It's just gotten otherworldly. There's storylines, crazy musical shifts all through it. And if you've been on to Dawn all along her stuff lately, then we'll be talking about you specifically, the old school fans or the really devout fans right now. So I hope you enjoy this. And when you're done, hop on to iTunes, rate the Pop Shop podcast, but don't just give us a star rating. Actually fill out the comments. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. It really, really helps us going forward. So also subscribe to the podcast, get it automatically every week. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say right now. So here it is. Headliner interview with Dawn. Dawn Richard. You said my name. <laughs> you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning that you were on. It was a very good yeah, interview, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it starts off with Dawn Richard, and it's like, uh, I cringe every time. And I'm, it's not even from me, it's my dad, because he has this pet peeve, it's his name. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like, I got used to it, but he has not. <laughs> And it, does it come from like Creole French? My, my mom is Creole and my dad is Haitian. So okay. it's French and French. Like my middle name is Angelique. Okay. So literally my first name is the only thing that is in French. And my nephew's name is Francois. Okay. So it's pretty, it's not like we're making this shit up. <laughs> so probably getting some friend, well, I think most Americans know Francois, but probably some friend Coy's friend yeah, from Frank time Coy's. to time. Oh, I hope he doesn't get that because he's a baby right now. Oh, oh okay. I, will, I just... I'm a horrible aunt. I, I would hit a child if they said his name wrong. So I have, mm. he's he's getting ready for it. But he only totally knows he speaks French a little bit as well. So, mm. you know, he's uh, he'll be able to correct them. Was there a point in your career from starting with, with um, making the bands and going on and on where you felt the tide turning from more and more people knowing how to pronounce Richard? No, I just think they kept fucking it up. And then I said, <laughs> you know what? Don't say it at all. And be, it be, I just said, call me Dawn. And then because I put a triangle in the A, then they said, well, like, oh, you're trying to be so much. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to get you guys not to butcher my name. <laughs> so I just took it off because um, I think people just, you know, only when I go to certain places, they know exactly when I'm home or when I go to uh, when I went to Haiti, they knew it exactly. When I go to places of French descent, they, they know it immediately. But if you're mm-hmm. not from the South and you don't hear names like Thibodeau, Robichaud, where these names are like full on, it's E, everything is E-A-U-X, you know, like it's like everything is French, they, you don't get it. You know, they just westernize it immediately. Yeah. Richard, and then they add an S, which is, it's never there. 
it's never been there. They just keep mm-hmm. putting that Richards on there. Because yeah. <laughs> your official artist name for for the press release and for Spotify and for whatever else seems to be just Dawn. It's so just it's, Dawn. it's not just for SEO or for no. Google. It's it's actually yeah, it's like has a very practical purpose. Yeah, it's just it's practical. <laughs> I'm just yeah. Yeah, I, had to, I got tired of him seeing my dad cringe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, sorry. So we've already been, for those listening, chatting prior to the podcast about things. Yeah. About how life has been for the past few days. Uh, so just putting out the, uh, a new album now, actually the day the podcast runs, if you're listening to this, the first day, the album is out today. Yeah. So just take me through what it's like to put this album out right now because you've put out albums with groups before, mm-hmm. put out solo albums. This one's part of a series. So what is it like putting this one out right now? Man, I, I didn't want it to be so close to home. You know, I, I was just speaking on what I felt and I was talking about issues that I think resonated with me. Never would I have imagined it would be blatant to the sign of the times right now, you know, with records like Black Crimes and um, talking about uh, the way we are perceived and the the lack of power between women and gender roles and sexuality and I mean I was just talking about what my movement what the people I spoke with the people that I know in touch with what we were going through never what I thought I'd see it in real time and how this album really resonates to the the time so much and I think it does it in a different way because it kind of sees both perspectives you know I kind of just am observing it I'm looking at it as an observation so for records like Black, Black Crimes it's just trying to understand how people call things hate crimes when they seem to love to do it so often it's more like love crimes to me if, you know and mm-hmm. so that question of why is your your love seem so hateful and that question and it's a really honest and genuine question I mean I was just asking that because it just you know at the time cops were killing people of color like you know, they were popping candy. And now to see it on a whole nother level of just people in general, the amount of love it, to push and be against and to, to raise such bigotry and hatred and sexism, I mean, that, that raises a big question. I just don't understand the perspective, and I would like to really understand what, why it is they are seeing it in that perspective. Mm. And probably you, like pretty much everyone, envisioned this album coming out around the time that Hillary Clinton would have been elected. and Time it, for it, women, yeah. yeah it, it's, although it's, it seems like a lot of the themes that you were putting into the album, they would have been there regardless of who got yeah, elected. Yeah, because I think we're all going through it. It's not just a one-day thing. This has been happening. I mean, eyes are open. And I was just talking to you about your like just being an artist. And if you're an artist, you observed it. There's, it's, this has been happening. And for me, coming from Louisiana, I've seen it a long time. I think it's just reared its ugly head because it had a catalyst to do so. Um, and I think this album speaks on that long before, and it'll continue to speak on it because until we address the elephants in the room, and it's not just one, I think we'll always come back to the reality that we are, not a, we are, we are a country divided. And there has to be a way for us to get back to one. And I don't know if we can because we're not addressing the reality that there is a serious problem. Mm. We have to say that first. We have to stop acting like, oh, there's no racism and oh, everything is fine. It's not. And that's okay because that, that means we're addressing it. And now how do we fix it? And it's going to be up to the artists and the millennials and these, these young, the youth to stand up and say, okay, this is what I want for my tomorrow. And I just wanted to make an album that felt like it was a redemption, a calling to yourself. Because really, you're going to have to know yourself in this next four years, in the next eight years, because you're going to have to figure out how you fit in this and how you can change it for yourself. 
You know, that's real things here. You got to see how you're going to win in this life. And this new atmosphere. And with all the responsibility that artists have, it's like already with trying to elect Hillary Clinton, so many artists supported her. Virtually no one spoke up for Trump. What can artists and people do going forward to even go further? You just keep going. I mean, you get innovative. You get creative. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. I'm black. I've had to be creative long, long ago. We've had to, you know, if you're Armenian, Indian, Muslim, a woman, gay, like you've had to get, you you had Mm -hmm. to be creative because nine times out of 10, you've been told you're not getting it. So you're going to have to do what you've been doing. Like This is not a surprise. Like For me, this isn't a surprise that bigotry and sexism and racism exist. I think this is, we're facing the, the world that I've always known. So you do what all of minorities have already been doing. You shift, you pivot, and you figure out a way to make your voice heard, and you exist in it to make sure that this outcome doesn't happen again. That's all you can do. But you can't get bitter. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't just sit in it. This is what it is. Now how do you fix it? And that's, that's the the strength in a, in a people coming together and figuring out together. It's going to be us trying to do it together, though. We can't do it separately. I think that whole divisive thing where your group does this, and that's why we're here. I think at some point we've got to say, okay, we're all in this. We all, all the people that feel this way, let's stop seeing us as separate entities and let's see us as one whole unit. That's when we'll win. And your state where you come from, Louisiana. Yeah, super red. Yeah, and, and and you're from New Orleans, sort of a... Very blue. Yeah, very, like an isolated <laughs> little... All black. Oasis yeah. Yeah. In, in that. Very free, very liberal. And so, welcome. Like, we, we are a different entity, and we sit in the middle of something that's very... You know, if you just come and stay in that world, it's a very different world than the entire set of what Louisiana is. So I've I've experienced... I've been spit on. I've been kicked. I've been the only black in most of the things that I've done out there, you know, because anything of elevation or anything with a lot of money involved in a lot of times, we're not able to be a part of those things. Um, So yeah, I I understand that perspective of of being the only and and being biased, you know, being picked on. And and what I've learned is that our city in New Orleans never left itself. It has always still been what it is. And that's because Mm -hmm. we have stuck together as a community to be able to create our own hubbub and our own utopia and that is why we've thrived as best we can even when a hurricane came sweeping in and nobody wanted to help us and they did not come we did not that did not stop us from still rebuilding and still figuring it out that is the example of a community fighting for itself we need to do that on a larger scale yeah tell me about where you specifically in new orleans where you grew up what like demographically what was it like you're talking about being the only black person around what what was it like well no i wasn't the black person around my community there's black everywhere but my parents sent us to private okay private school and then i'm dancing in the nba and there was maybe like four black girls they're Mm -hmm. not gonna you know the nba is strictly catered to male white just like football it's a very you know, like it's larger and it's diverse, but there is a specific marketing too that's being had there. I'm not, you know, they tell us where a certain thing, dance to a certain song, dance to country and rock. Mm-hmm. That's what we were told to do, you know? So like, it's very specific on what you're supposed to look like and what you have to, to be. So I grew up in a black environment, but I went to a school that was predominantly white and it was predominantly male because it was an all male white school first. So that was, they didn't even like the women. Like, you know, it was we fighting for sports for girls was like a battle in itself. So I, I got to see all different types, not just sexism, you know, not racism, but sexism. You know, like the coaches didn't think we were even neat. Like the male coaches was kind of like, why do we have a girls program? This is stupid because they've been used to an all boys program. 
So again, all this stuff is what I've learned. So when you listen to the album and you see the records and you hear them, it is just speaking on how I felt stifled in, in many ways or, or prejudged. And that's okay. I think when you have a when you have a moment of redemption for yourself, it isn't to 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 neglect what you've gone through, but to rather embrace it. And I think that has made me the artist that I am. And rather than not talk about it, I'm I want to face it and then see how to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this album is for me is my recovery. And I think a lot of people are in that stage in their lives where they're they're just really figuring out that they're okay with what what they are and how to you know and, and building a world that works for them. You know, we were at a good place, I think, where we were starting to allow change, you know, gay marriage and 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 trying to ask for more pay, higher pay wa- uh, wage for, for women. And I think we were coming there, you know, we were getting there where we were sitting in. And I don't think we need, we can't lose that intensity and that tenacity that we have. We have to still have that. Yeah. And on the new album, you have a track called L.A. Yeah. Not Los Angeles. Favorite. Yeah. It's both. Los- oh, both. Oh, both. Okay. It's L.A. Okay. It's the parallel. And that's. That's why the sound, the song, reinvents itself consistently. Um, if you listen to the first half of it, it's all synth, and then as you graduate toward the end, it's electric guitar, and then trombone shorty ends it, mm-hmm. which is so New Orleans. And it's basically a young lady who was born in L.A. and fell in love with another L.A. You know, and kind of like the because Louisiana is L.A. And then L.A., the big L.A., you know, so it's kind of and you see the lettering, how small Louisiana is and then how big L.A. seems to feel. It's this kind of parallel between two worlds and how I how do I exist being this Louisiana in this kind of L.A. And it it feel it, it, it really feels and resonates with me that I thought I couldn't be both. You know what I mean? I think living in L.A. or living in this industry, I thought I couldn't be what I was because people only saw me as one thing. But I'm realizing I can be the ninth war girl from Louis, you know Louisiana and sit really comfortably in my LA space, which is really the industry yeah. and, and, and thrive and be okay with it. And I think that's, that's a hard place to get to. And I got there and, and I, I think a lot of people can resonate with that, you know, coming from a different place and not sure if that they can keep that mentality or that what they have, those values and morals and exist in this, you know, and when you realize you can, you realize you're bringing something beautiful because you don't come from the manufactured idea. You come from something that's very truthful and very rooted. And I think that's what that record speaks on. Well, we should drop in some music. Yes. Let's 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 play the people listening a little bit of LA. Yeah. We thought we was above it all Going from Louisiana, where you're from, yeah. being Don Richard in a different place in yeah. Los Angeles, does I'm guessing that has a lot to do with doing making the bands and Everything, your step yeah. into show business. Because yeah, when I think of LA, I think you know LA is the as the industry. You know what I mean? Like um, because when we think of it, it's so glitzy when they present it, um, and it is far from that. You know, um, which is not a bad thing. I think it's great that it's. It, it has a facade because it, it milks to me. It, it kind of it's very Hunger Games, you know. It kind of mm-hmm. shifts and sifts out all the things that can't that are too weak to survive, kind of thing, you know. And it sucks because you see a lot of people get eaten up by by the industry, you know. It, it really changes who you are as a person. A lot of people come out bitter, angry, poor. You know, I've seen poor. I've seen that. 
Um, and I've done that. I've had that. But I think um, there's more beauty in it as well because I think it forces you to see yourself as you really are. Um, sometimes it's not something you like to see, and I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, it's it then becomes a decision up to you whether or not you want to shift it. Um, and this album speaks on my shift and how I um, I've grown comfortable in that skin, you know, and I'm cool with whatever it is, whatever. Like there's no force or manufactured idea of what this is. Everything that I've created, even this era, has been self-made. And so you have to find it. Like I'm not an artist that's force-fed to anyone. I am someone you have to find on your, you have to go on social, you have to search. So if the people are here with me, they're here because they want to be. And I respect that kind of fan base because it's an, it's an honest one. And I'm, I appreciate being that kind of artist where it's genuinely just about the art. And I think people are standing for that now, you know what I mean? Especially with where technology has get, brought us. They appreciate the artist that is just about the art. Whereas at first it was, if I don't hear you on the radio, I don't know you. But now we have way more, we have larger platforms where we can, and more innovative platforms where you can find artists that you never really thought you could find. Yeah, and your music has changed so much since Danity Kane. Yeah. Like, it's becoming so much more challenging for the listener yeah. and just a, a lot more to, for your mind to sift through. Yeah. It's, it's, I, there must be, like, like Puff, like, is it crazy for him to see, like, no, what? Cause I, no, because we did, this, we did the music, we did some of the same music. Dirty Money was hard for people to sift. That's why it was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Like, Last Train to Paris wasn't some easy shit. Like, that shit was complex and amazing musically. Like, I think people think that I drastically changed, but I don't know. I think Dirty Money was rather ahead of its time. And I sonically, it was like, we did a record with Grace Jones. I don't like I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's mainstream. You know what I mean? I think we were doing some really incredible things. So I don't know. I think I, I kind of feel like I was already on the path. And then with Danity Kane, a record, to light, a, record, a record like Lights Out, if you listen to the harmonies and how intricate that was, I had like 14 part counter melodies going on when I wrote that record. I was already stacking vocals and making complex choices. I just couldn't say, let's do a really abstract record with Danity Kane. Mm-hmm. They would not have allowed that. <laughs> like, you know, but I think I was gradually already there the way I was writing musically, the way I was coming. I think that's why Puff even asked me to write for Dirty Money was because I was doing records that were a little bit off kilter. And so when I said yes to do Dirty Money, it was because the records were off kilter. Like if you really listen to those records, they were complete super complex and I think that's why no one mm-hmm. no one digested it I think if it came out now it still would be quite relevant and quite on the time and you liked even just coming into making the band you liked weird music growing up I dressed weird like I, I don't think people remember when I was on making the band I had a fucking fairy ironed on my pants like I was a <laughs> dork like I was a fucking nerd like for real like when we named our girl groups it was supposed to be pop and they, one of the uh, girls named themselves she, and I named us Chain Six. What the <laughs> fuck? Like, I, 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 you know, when we were supposed to dress for the Backstreet concert, the girls dressed in like one, of the other group dressed in like white short shorts and like velour. We were in Paperboy, like Oliver Twist outfits. 
I don't. I think that that was a, I was giving warning signs to people uh-huh. then, like watch out, this girl's a nerd. <laughs> like mm. I don't think there was ever a moment where I wasn't me. I think people just we had other, it was a TV show and people really weren't paying attention beyond just the fact that it was a competition. But if you delve a little bit deeper, I think I've always kind of been a little on the you know on the okay. I had like I was wearing an anime shirt I think one time. I don't I I, I just don't think that I've ever not been that. I named the girl group after an anime character that I mm-hmm. drew in high school. I don't come on folks. <laughs> There's signs. There are flags, you know. I think if you were to to rank the edginess of all like girl and boy groups and all of that general genre. Yeah. Probably the most out of left field. Yeah. There's a lot. It's like you could have sort of a name generator for like your One well, Direction. At the, time, or, at the time, I was a fan of rock band. I was a huge alternative rock fan. So Biff Naked, the Canadian band. Mm-hmm. Ibificus was one of my favorite records. You know, Live. Remember Live? Lightning mm-hmm. Crashes and uh, Cranberries. Like, I, I just, that was the bands. I was Case Choice. I was just like, these are bands. So I went, I thought I was going to be in a group I asked because I was like it'd be really great if we were a pop group that had a name that was similar to an alternative rock band the gorillas was popping at the time Mm -hmm. I was like it'd be really great if we were just not your average beauty group and they all looked at me kind of (laughs) like and then I gave them the name and they were like but then when other names came Puff wanted to call us queen five come on man exactly like so I think it's always been there I think it just I think people weren't paying attention. They just kind of were going with the flow. But I think if you really dissect it back, I kind of always stayed true to animation, tech, you know what I mean? Uh, Pushing the limits on boundaries of what it was supposed to look like. Like really, in all true honesty, I I was doing it then. I just wasn't, I was in a group. So I had to share that. Mm -hmm. And I had to respect what the idea and the money they, you know, what the label was doing because we were fucking manufactured. Like we, I couldn't go in there and say, "By the way, Puff, <laughs> this is I'm going to write the album." And no way, they didn't even think we could write till the second album. So, but I think I was pretty true to me. I think people just wasn't. I had yellow hair, dude. Yellow weave. Like, let's just get into that. I was all over the place. <laughs> I think I was telling people I was a cry for help. <laughs> I was I was all I was I was the same as I was and I think I just gradually went there, you know. But yeah. if you know, if you ask my parents, I was my mom was scared at nine years old. It was it was the beginning of the end at nine for her. Yeah, like how did how have you seen your fan base adapt to that and like what from your vantage point, what do you see as your fan base now? Where do you think along your career a lot of them hopped on? I I am so grateful for them because I know some of them have been like, where are you going? Because they, you know, they were true avid R&B fans, pop fans. And I kind of took them on some, I think half of them didn't even know what electronic music was until, you know, I kind of introduced them to that. Um, So they've been very great to me because I know some of them left me on the wayside by like, by the time Blackheart came, they were kind of like, look, (laughs) you're too different for me. Mm. Um, But those, but what, what, what did happen though, those who said you're too different, they left. But then these new wave artists came in who never knew me from Danity Kane. They didn't know anything about me beyond just Blackheart and um, new electronic fans who were trying to figure out what this was and what was new. So now when I go to a show, the diversity of the crowd is just next level. You know, I've got my huge following that because the gay fan base for me is like, they're my, that's my fan base. Like they just, I've since Danity Kane, the gay fan base has just been really good to us. Um, But now you have gay culture mixed in with like electronic weed pot smoking like 
college kids. Yeah, like, a lot of cultures. Cultures, just bl- black, white. And then you've got these new flux of girls, white women who are like into festival life, who are like in it. So it, it gets really beautiful. And that was the point. That was the point. I never wanted to limit myself. I was a black kid and from the night ward in New Orleans who listened, you know, to to Green Day and Hoobastank and 311. Oh my God, what was I thinking? Um, you know, and that, that, like, I was just in a different realm for myself, you know, Porter's Head. And I just, I loved Chris Cunningham, for God's sakes, Aphex Twin, like, what just was in a different realm. And I think I really didn't have anybody to relate to who was like me. And I felt like, if I could be the artist that gravitated to people who were like that too, I'd be proud of myself. And I think I am. I'm kind of the artist that's for the the rebellious kid, the kind of the kid that doesn't really have a a fit. And so they stand on their own. And I'm cool with that because I relate to that. Yeah, when when you were growing up, listening to so many artists who were like mostly white people, lots of white men, like how did you process that? Like what was that like? as like the art you consumed and being around like a, like black communities like well i had a great fa- my father is has a masters in music my father and grandfather play the piano like no i mean they're talented musicians they're musicians my dad is in- exceptional um so i knew what the root of jazz and otis mm. redding and you know I, I knew monk you know what i mean i knew uh, uh i knew uh beethoven and bach and debussy i knew them my dad played them but i had my own you know, my own things that I liked. And I think my dad always embraced it. So when it was, you know, I was like, dad, this Green Day concert, can you take me? He was like, hell yeah, let's go. So he supported because he was a musician first. So I think I had him with me to kind of like say, you're all right, you're not Mm -hmm. weird. But, you know, my mom was kind of looking like, this is kind of getting crazy. But it wasn't that I resonated to white males because actually I preferred the indie punk girl, that voice. Like the Cranberries for me, that whale yeah. That yodel. And zombie. Yeah. Like chills. And I think that that was big for me, man. And I, that, I just loved voices. And then you think of live and the lead singer of live and it was interesting. It just was uncomfortably weird. And, and it had a, it's set in the throat a different kind of way. And I appreciated that. I, I loved the voice that felt different because I felt like my voice had a different tone. It wasn't normal. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. wasn't the average tone it was an alto tenor bass and I just felt like I appreciated artists that sound like that Bjork is another one just that whale that whale is just it's something about it just did it it, did, it just did it for me and I loved when girls girls really could scream and sound like they were scratching the track you know like scr- their voices were scratching and I, I just thought that, that was beautiful Dance has always been so important for you. Where, when you were growing up, what role did that play? Everything. It was the first thing I've ever done before I sang or anything I danced. And that is why dance and electronic music has always been something present in my life. Like, the energy in that. Like, um, I just, there's something beautiful. Like, I remember listening to Skunk Annecy and, and um, Prodigy. And the er- it was erratic to me like it just created some type of emotion in the body that caused me to want to move in a way that I think the rest of the records that I used to dance to didn't make me feel um and I always appreciated transition if you listen to uh Green Day 
um, in brain stew, the evolution of the change, and even in the cranberries, when you listen to something like Daffodil Lament, where the beginning of the song sounds like an old organ church, and then it goes into this lightly folky Daffodil Lament record, the transitions were like staggering, and I appreciated the way the records would move. Um, uh, even with a record, even with a group, something like System of a Down, which some people might say whatever, but I appreciated the transitions. It was a transitional thing. Like aerials would go from one thing and this break into halftime or break into quarters. I appreciated stuff like that. Queen was another one. Queen was the magic of it. Prince and Queen to me were the ones who would take a record and they would move it and shake it and, and change it all around. And to me as a dancer, I appreciated that change and I wanted to be able to have the ability to shift in that way as a okay. dancer. I heard that, like I heard those breakdowns. And I think if you're not in tune with both parts of it, you can't really truly expect, you know, respect it the way someone, I heard it and my, my body literally wanted to break in that way as well. Yeah, cause listening to how your new music sounds especially the new album the, the way the songs fade into each other the way they're not super linear with like a verse and a chorus yeah, the way things they're never come structured. in and it, it's built on the dance yeah you know one of my favorite dances is barishnikov and um what he's done for russian ballet what he did was just insane and he's another one again that's super unconventional in the way he chooses to dance in the height of his level of ability and athleticism is Amazing, but what made me love him more is his choice to work with Gregory Hines. And that marriage that Barishnikov and Gregory Hines did together was just what tap and ballet was just extraordinary to me. And again, taking genres and melding them together mm -hmm. to create some really exceptional art. I just always appreciated that. Always. Always. Cool. Let's drop in some more new music off yeah. the album. What do you think is a song that sums up what we were just talking about? Ooh. There's a record called Love Under Lights uh, that literally in the beginning it starts one way and by the end mm -hmm. you're in a tropical <laughs> Africana festival. Um, and that record really is amazing because it celebrates the choice of uh, to love without any inhibition and any uh, restraint. So Love Under Lights. Love without any inhibition. Yeah. Here it is. <laughs> Second track on the album? Second track on the album. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it sounds like it's kind of about like an encounter between two people. Two people. And, and one is one with a woman, two women together. And then another one is with a woman and a man. And it explores the possibilities of both and how um, the exchange of free love doesn't have a gender or a sex. So it's purposely starting that album out like that. So it's you, when you have, like coming from the black era, when I fell, I had a realization that, um, it was okay to love the way I chose to. I, you know, I didn't want to be marriage and all those things to me didn't really have signing a paper. wasn't something that I really cared for. If you had a partner that you loved, it was worth it. And I never really had a preference on whether it was a man or a woman. I just wanted to, to find love in a way that was good for me. And I wanted to start the album out really strong and really controversial and create a picture where you were like, wait, is she talking to a woman? Is this a man? Wait, it's both. Like, what, what's really happening here? And it forces people to, to the even not even realize that it's about anybody but just the love of it. So it's really jarring because you never really hear me talk about that ever. I've never talked about that. But the fact to make that the first mm -hmm. record you hear with the vocal on it speaks volumes about 
how I really don't give a shit. You know, I really just wanted to state the first thing that I felt when coming out of my my uh, my fall. And you just mentioned like as influences Queen and Prince, which is androgynous, were, yeah. very andro- And I've always been androgynous. Always, I've always been hard with hard edges and feminine and hard and and I you know masculinity I have just as much of a masculinity to me as I do as a as a woman and that's in design and fashion for me that's why I've always gravitated to the Bowies and the Mm -hmm. Grace Jones because to me that's beautiful I love my hard lines and I think as a Leo especially the lion in me I think there is a I resonate toward the lion toward the pharaoh toward the king I just have a, a um, affinity for the male mm-hmm. uh, perspective, and I always feel like um, there's beauty in that, you know, because not, not a lot of women can see themselves in that way. But I actually like my hard lines and my hard edges. Does that have to do with the album art? Absolutely. That mm-hmm. pharaohism, that strong, it's very kingly. And I think I do that on purpose. Um, because it, it feels that you don't really see hair or anything, so you just see jawline. So there is a a borderline between what you really see as male or feminine male or female and i think if you look at pharaohs in the time of their age they were very feminine their their structures were soft um so you never really knew if it was male or female they were eyeshadow i think there's a sense in that that's beautiful um and even in african culture where men and women scar their faces and put uh just jewelry upon jewelry to, to signify if they're married or not it's just even in chiefs and in native culture, like the sense of them, every their features are always pushing the lines. Mm-hmm. And I think that indigenous, it's that's beautiful to me. And I think that states of where we first der- derived from at its most beautiful form. And I appreciate that. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes you think how, like in American society, like that the the ruling and the standard of and beauty. running things. It, yeah. it's, if you're running things, it's often just a masculine. Oh, absolutely. And how it's not how there have been like dominant cultures, like the ancient Egyptians, who didn't view that way at all. At all. It's, I, that's how it's a stupid state of mind. I, I you know, and I think they've pushed us so far down as women ourselves that I think we can't even see ourselves in that way. And that's why I really push for that that feel that. We can be both. There is there is a strength in that. I think, and I think the people who exude that are striking. Like to me, Bowie was striking. Michael Michael even had feminine femininity mm-hmm. within. It's something striking about tapping into both worlds because you understand the sides of both. You move in a way to me that's different. And um, I think we we used to embrace it more, and now we don't. I mean, we don't have a lot of Bowies or Graces anymore. Like we don't even accept a Grace anymore. Like. We don't even have a grace of our time, really, because we're so nervous and so scared that a girl with a bald head could even exist in this, a brown, chocolatey. I think we've lost our way in, in accepting the unexpected, whereas it used to be a little bit more a thing in rock and roll. I mean, rock and roll, it was a fucking thing. Men were dressed in chiffon mm. chiffon blouses and shit, you know, like Mick Jagger, and, and they were free to be it got real crazy. Lipstick, eyeshadow, kiss wore full makeup, you know? I think we've got we've lost our way in the sense that we can't self express as much anymore without losing people. I think Young Thug is trying and I'm I love it, you know, but I think even the fact that it's it's limited it's limited to just that speaks volumes, you know, like I I think it's a start, but man, have we lost our way because we used to have like a whole bunch of them, like, you know, mm-hmm. Joan Jett, like, we had just fly ass, like, 
choices of strength and beauty and, and, and androgyny that really spoke to the culture. And I think we're just afraid. You, you, I don't know if we're afraid or we just like the the basic. I don't know. But we over here living, man. I, mm. you know, I'm, I, I want to make an album that really caters to that. And you'll see with the, each era that I really approach that in that way from records like Billie Jean on Blackheart that spoke about the woman where I'm having a conversation with a woman that chooses to be, she gets her living and makes her living in a way that's more sexual. And instead of judging her, I'm having a simple conversation with her and her idea that it's no different. You know, it's, it's, it's not a judgment. It's more of an understanding of each culture and, and bringing that in and appreciating it. And that's what this entire trilogy has been about is self-acceptance and self-understanding, which I think is needed. Yeah. Are there we we talked about it a little bit just a second ago with Thug? Are there any other artists, contemporary artists now, who who interest you, inspire you in that way? I uh, no, right? A N H O uh, is that how you say it? F- yeah, for, formally Anthony, and uh, I'm it's the A N O H N. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super yeah. familiar with the music. It's I know he. Yeah, but I, again, underground and yeah. not present as she or he, however she wants to be yeah. should be because she talks about political issues on a like a large level and it's really really well mm-hmm. done um but that's that's all i know like that's all i know of, of people really pushing those boundaries because they're not put to the mainstream they're not put, put pushed to the forefront so you don't really see it as much as you'd like um so yeah i mean that's about all i've you know heard that's mm-hmm. really kind of the wave of really pushing those lines and young thug that's about it so i mean hopefully Again, technology will allow us t- to bridge the gap because, I mean, I've really been relying on tech to do a lot of things. I mean, I've been pushing myself in the tech world to really expose people to a different world, not just with fashion and the way you look, but mm-hmm. just in the way you receive it, you know? Cool. Yeah. Um, I think we touched on a lot of interesting things. Yeah. yeah. I think this is exciting. I'm, I really want people to take away from this album that we've we've really grown beyond just the music and we're sonically you know evolving but also visually you know to create this album and put it on a usb and make Mm -hmm. it a necklace is pretty pretty fun you know what i mean like we're now making it so that you can carry this album and a table book and vr content all around your neck wherever you go um it's really about pushing and innovating another way for people to receive music and i think that's the biggest part of it all is is the innovation, you know, is really taking uh, music to the next step, taking visuals to the next step. And I think people will be really pleased with this USB idea, really pleased with the VR content that I've been really working on because very few artists are really touching in VR. And the people that are doing it are big names, you know, Bjork, uh, Run the Jewels, you know, really pushing those limits. And I think to be an indie girl with no label and be able to pull off VR content in this way and consistently trying to put out more virtual reality um, ideas is really exciting. So people can buy the album as the USB People can necklace. buy it as a digital on iTunes. They can buy it as a USB necklace, and they'll be able to wear it. And in the USB is a table book of pictures, uh, the album, a lyric, the lyrics, and a VR, con- VR content as well. So you're carrying a lot wherever you go um, in any way you want to do it. And you can also store your own stuff in it. So you're getting a... You're getting a mm-hmm. new wave of the way, you know, you you hear music and you wear it, you know. So, again, for a girl with no label coming from the night ward of Louisiana who was told that, you know, doing electronic music may not be the smartest thing, um, we've managed to create a brand from it and have 
an entire trilogy finished through it for four years, six projects. It's a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's I think I think it's really really inspirational how it connects to what we were talking about at the top of the show yeah. and how even though a lot of that wasn't you'd hope that it didn't connect in certain ways but it, yeah, it's, yeah it does and i hope that, that inspires i mean the whole point is now that we heal we've got to heal we are hurt right now people you know and i and i think it we address it and then we we heal each other and then we 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 act mm-hmm. yeah get out and act get out and act yeah or something man do something use your art i was just t- i think that's so true use your art to feel to say how you feel you never know who you touch when you do it. Awesome. Thank you guys so yeah, much. Yeah, thanks Appreciate so much for coming you. by. So yeah, that's the talk. That was Dawn Richard, or just Dawn, as we said many times on the new album, for when you go into Spotify or Apple Music or whatever and search for it. Just the first four letters. That was really fun. Uh, yeah, hope you guys inspired as I was from that one. The new album, just spent some time with it. It's really good. It's called Redemption, self-released, out pretty much now. We're dropping this podcast November 17th, so if you're li- listening right away, uh, well, you can actually head on to NPR. They're streaming the album early, a week early, so if this is November 17th for you, listen to that for the next few hours, then you can turn it over to your official streaming method of choice buy it etc so yeah thanks to dawn for stopping by podcast items head on over to itunes rate the podcast subscribe to it get it automatically every week katie and keith will be back with their pop shop episode in a couple days until next time i'm chris payne with the headliner interview catch you later